This morning we're going to continue on in our study in Acts. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and we've got some individuals that will bring you one. We've got one right here down front. Anybody else uh, need a Bible, raise your hand. Uh, Handy, we've got right here. If you can bring a Bible forward. Fantastic. The rest of us, since you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 9. We're continuing on in our message and our study in Acts, the story of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles and the Holy Spirit. And uh, what a privilege today to preach what the text has for us. So let's go before the Lord and ask if He wouldn't show us each of our hearts, like we sang this morning, open the eyes of my heart, that the Lord would show us what He has today. Let's pray. Father, come to us now in this moment of understanding, in this moment of study. Let the Word nourish us. Speak to us. Speak to each heart in every aspect of whether we're uh, needing to know You in a deeper way, whether we're needing to examine our hearts, examine our lives, whether we're needing a taste of, of the true power of who You are. Speak to us today, Father. Make it clear. To You be all glory. Amen. Well, this morning, as we move forward, I have a very simple question. How many of you have a cell phone? It's a real simple question. I got mine right here. I got mine right here. And um, you know what's interesting is, I was downtown this past week, and uh, (laughs) I was returning um, some of our, our cable equipment. You know, when your son goes off to college, you find out your priorities in life. So, off went the cable, the kid gets to go to college. We have very expensive cable, apparently. So I'm returning the cable equipment, and uh, you know, you're in, you're in the queue, which means for forever. So I'm kind of staring out the window, and there's this gal. I don't know her, so I'm not, I'm not slandering anybody. But there's this gal across the street, and she's doing this. Right? God help us. It has come to that. And so what's funny is, you know, I I try to use Facebook as an avenue to let people know what's coming up on Sunday. Uh, I originally started out so I could spy on my son, and then he got off Facebook, so that was no good. Um, But then... (laughs) But then I thought, you know, how, how great that I can kind of keep up on some people from down south that I, I don't get to speak to anymore and kind of connect, uh, you know, our, our kids' grandparents and uh, my dad and some other people, um, people that I have connection with around the world. Um, you know, our, we, our church sent a group over to England um, to do an outreach over there, and I'm, I'm Facebook friends with five of those individuals that we connected with on a spiritual level and relational level. And it was just encouraging, and and we're constantly commenting back and forth. But everybody has now shifted over from Facebook. If you're cool, you've shifted from Facebook to what? Instagram. And I fought it, and I fought it, and I fought it. And uh, I have an Instagram account just because, you know, Google spies on everything you do, even how many breaths you take in the week. And so, you know, all I had to do was push one button and everything linked, right? But I don't do anything on Instagram, uh, you know, personally. And so I was like, okay, I guess I have to get invested over there too. But see, Instagram's a little bit different, I think. It's much more narcissistic. I don't know how you can be more narcissistic, but it's much more narcissistic. And I saw, you know, the gal doing, you know, this. So I thought I would post a picture of myself. I thought I would do that just to see what would happen. I, I got to tell you, like for instance, a beautiful part of this is I got to know that Christine graduated yesterday because of social media. And I got to see this great picture of Christine. I also know that it's Shirley's birthday today. But if you regulate your entire life to Instagram or Facebook, you would never know that two beloved people of ours are moving on after this Sunday. That Tom and Barbara, our wonderful, wonderful Tom and Barbara, are moving to Utah to change the world in Utah. Good luck. But if anybody can do it, you too can. 
they're moving to be with family there. And so please be sure that, but I never would have known. They don't, you guys don't do Facebook or Instagram. Bless you. <laughs> right? And so I put up some dorky picture of myself. Some of you have seen it, right? And I even messed up what I was doing there because I'm such a rookie at this. And my wife saw it and she was disturbed. <laughs> I could see it on her face. She's disturbed like, why did you do this? Why? And it, I didn't tell her at the time. It was because I was setting this moment up and I saw, you know, duck face woman out on, on Grant Street and just thinking who we are and what holds power over us. So this morning, I just want to get you in the mindset of that and thinking in those terms. As we look this morning, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of what? Of power. And we've already quoted this verse out of Corinthians, Corinthians 4.20. It is an amazing subtext to where we're at today. And I want you to understand this, and and I, I have the dubious responsibility of helping us wake up to this problem today. And to really seek more than who we are as the American church. I'm sorry, I have to pick on the American church today. It is my pride... Not my pride, there's, there's a better word here. It, it is my blessing to know that our church struggles a little bit in this area, but we also hold true to the things that we're going to point out today out of the early church. There's some similarities. As we get into the story today, there are some similarities. But let me help build the case about this verse where Paul says the kingdom is not what? It is not founded in talk, but in power. So this morning, I already kind of talked about cell phones. Here's these people, they're so peaceful. Look at them, they're very content. The interaction level is through the roof. (laughs) Right? And then guess what happens eventually? You see, these people and their contentness is regulated to this little button. And depending on the status of that button, you may move into that. (laughs) Right? Still not with me? Some of you are definitely with me. Still not with me? Let me make another point. That's Sam Bedros' new car. No, I'm just kidding. Sam does not own a Tesla. I got Rihanna good. That was good. (laughs) It's like she like laughed really out loud. Sam, I'm sure you're checking out the live stream on Conquer Bible Church TV. So you can bring it up with Rihanna later. That is not Sam's new car. But I did meet somebody who works at Tesla um, over, I think, in Walnut Creek. But that's a sharp-looking car, isn't it? How many of you notice a Tesla when it's going down the street or when it's in the parking garage, right? My son actually dated a girl in the Walnut Creek that her dad had a Tesla, and it was his goal to drive. They didn't stay together long enough to make that happen, but (laughs) keep living the dream, kid. There's only a pro- one problem with this. That car looks really good. It's even more fun to drive. But if I had shown you that picture first, you wouldn't have been as excited. You see, that car can look really good, and it can be really fun, but only if it's connected to that power unit. Do I have you yet? Because the kingdom of God is filled with a lot of talk these days. A lot of talk. But in America, it is stagnating and it is anemic. And on a lot of levels, it's impotent. On a lot of levels, it's not. Please hear me. On a lot of levels, it's not. We're going to examine that first from the story out of Acts and see what happened. But what's going to happen is, as I get into this, you're going to look at things that Peter does here and you're going to say, oh, well, that was for that time. (laughs) Just in case I still don't have you, this may have happened to you. How many of you guys carry one of these, right? Debit card? Oh, the glory of being on vacation and you swipe that card when you're going to a hotel and they say what? Declined. Now, not because you don't have any money, but you know, you've been hacked or something, and so the bank shuts your card down or whatever. But think about that, that moment if you've ever had it happen. 
you just get sick to your stomach. You're like, what? I'm powerless. Hopefully I've set a good stage here for where we're going this morning. Let's get into the Word, Acts 9. And we're going to just be in the first part. The first act, the first scene, if you will, verses 32 through 35. Now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. Every mom loves that verse. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. And all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him. And they turned to the Lord. The early church was marked by the power of God. Not so much in the talk, but the power. You see, Peter doesn't... Show me in here where Peter does a great discourse. Show me in here where Peter uh, preaches the Sermon on the Mount. Show me in here where Peter teaches on the Lord's Prayer. Now, all those things are good. We're not discounting that. But see, the end result to this is what? And the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they what? They turned to the Lord. Now, there are people that will tell you that unless you hear the Gospel, unless you hear the words, they will never truly come to the Lord. You show me where the Gospel is preached in this passage. Ooh, now I just made a lot of people nervous, including myself. Here's the reality is that we don't know all the circumstances that go here, but I bet you, I, I, I don't bet you, I guarantee you that the people of Lydda and Sharon knew who Peter was and what he was about and what he was preaching because as we see the life of Peter over and over and over, Peter didn't move from one place to the other without sharing we just don't have that part in the account. Luke just didn't include that. But what we do see is just a simple act of power. The power of Jesus Christ. And what happened as a result? The people turned to Jesus Christ. So this morning, what do we take from this idea? Well, let's talk about unconditional power, shall we? Number one, it requires Peter to get out of town. Some of you are like, I'm signed up for that. Tahoe, here I come. No. Peter left town. He left the comforts of home. Peter's not traveling with one of his compadres. He is going out. He's moving in the direction that Philip moved. He may have done so because he heard of the actions of Philip. We don't necessarily have indicators, but that's the route that Philip went with the Ethiopian eunuch. So kind of the same route as Peter's heading to the coast to Joppa. If you come on our trip to Israel in late February, you will go to Joppa and you will see where this happened. It'll be exciting. It'll be great. It'll be tremendous. Thank you for the one person that understood what I was doing there. <laughs> you are enlightened. It requires that Peter gets out of town. You want to have unconditional power in the kingdom of God. You want to have unconditional power. You've got to get active. You've got to be willing to move out from your comfort zone. You've got to be willing to move out from the conveniences of what you have. Number two, it requires Peter to know the will of God. Peter probably, almost guaranteed, I'm sure of it, would have passed many people that were suffering. But for some reason, God decides that Aeneas is going to be the one that he heals through Peter. And as we look at healings and we look at this incredible power of God manifested in the early church, Part of the actual process that we should go through is saying, is that active today? Do we see God doing that in signs and wonders today? The answer is yes. And there are many churches, even here in our town, that says those signs and wonders are dead. God doesn't operate that way. Let me just tell you that's narcissistic and that's idolatry. That is a pastor or a scholar telling you that their view of God surpasses God's own precedent, purpose, and intentionality of the kingdom. And I don't think I've ever called out another pastor from the pulpit, but I feel passionately about this. 
Now, do I think that there's a lot of chicanery, jankiness, out-and-out false teacher wickedness? Absolutely, because people are people. But can we please not change who God is and God's power and God's attention and name the acts of God as the acts of Satan? By the way, you know where that gets you labeled by Jesus Christ, right? Can we please not go that path because it's more convenient for us? Because we don't see that power happening in our own lives. Therefore, it causes fear for us. It causes us to be uncomfortable. The big question for you and I is we see Peter do this and we're encouraging ourselves say, let's move into that kingdom of power, right? Not talk. Well, I'm going to go help someone who's paralyzed. What are the chances that's going to happen? I don't know. It's up to God. That's the point. Peter knew the will of God in that moment. And that was God spoke to Peter and he encourages Peter to reach out to Aeneas and say these words because this is how i'm going to work right now let me show you my point i'm going to go off script here not that i ever do that <laughs> david you have a little experience outside america outside america in your travels back home in India, do you see the miraculous happen? He's nodding yes. Hanny, you have two homes, Walnut Creek, Concord, and Egypt. Do you see and hear about the miraculous happening? He's nodding his head yes. Do we see the miraculous happening here? Not as much as I think we should. And I think this topic, this title is why. We have relegated ourselves as the American church to talk. We love talk. We love to sit and do more and more Bible study and more and more Bible study while the lost are suffering all around us while the hurting who could use a miracle and maybe God chooses to use you in that miracle. By the way, it doesn't have to be the miraculous. We'll get into what power looks like, but it requires that Peter knows the will of God. You see someone suffering and you look and you walk away from our passage today and you say, I'm going to go pray over them, but God hasn't asked you to do that. Can I encourage you? Don't do that. If God does encourage you, if the Spirit of God explicitly tells you, go pray over this person for healing, may I encourage you, go do that. Because that's exactly what happened for Peter. It requires that Peter sees the needs around him. This is one of the biggest challenges for us and why we don't experience power in the American church. We are so focused on other things. I'm going to ruin you on social media right now. Every time you see someone post a selfie, it is the picture of narcissism with our society, even if it's your pastor doing a joke. By the way, there's plenty of pictures we can post that have meaning and relevance and things like that. Um, Christine did not do a selfie yesterday. Somebody else took the picture. It has relevance. Let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater, but you get what I mean. So, so much of the time we're focused on our own needs we don't see the needs around us. Peter had an agenda. He was going somewhere. We don't necessarily know what it was and where he was going and what he was doing, but God called him to something and he saw the need of Aeneas. Can I encourage us? We want to experience the power not the talk. We want to experience the power of God. Start looking around and see the needs. That's not enough. By the way, it requires nothing of Aeneas. Did you notice that? So much of the time when we see the miracles of Jesus, He talks about the individual's faith. Yes, we have to have that faith, but sometimes Jesus just heals somebody. Just like Aeneas. There's nothing in the narrative that says that Aeneas cried out
for help. There's nothing in the, in the story or the narrative that says that, that Aeneas had incredible faith. What is there is that Peter saw the need, came to the person and said, arise and walk in the name of Jesus Christ and make your bed. And he arose immediately. Think he believed in Jesus then? Let me read you a little story about a Buddhist monk. A Buddhist monk in Ceylon, and that's, that's in the uh, Asia-Pacific area, um, who was acquainted with both Christianity and Buddhism, was once asked what he thought was the great difference between the two. He replied, there is much that is good in each of them, and probably in all religions. But what seems to me to be the greatest difference is that you Christians know what is right and have the power to do it. While we Buddhists know what is right and have not any such power. This is true because no other religion has as its founder God who became man and in becoming man incarnate the grace and the truth of God. When Christ then becomes our life, we will be full of grace and truth. It is not our grace and truth, but His, for He dwells within. And that is the experience of the power of God. It requires Jesus Christ to have unconditional power. And the world recognizes it when it's demonstrated. You want to win an argument with someone who's not a believer in Jesus Christ? Don't try to do it with words. Do it in the power of God. And then He may give you words, but He may also give you so much more. The results? The results were in a powerful, supernatural way. And results in people being amazed and turning to God. What would you do, what would you say, if you experienced being in the town of Sharon or Lydda? And you saw a paralytic for eight years. By the way, understand this as we struggle with this idea of power and healing and, and all that's going on. Understand that this man suffered for eight years being paralyzed. When we go before the Lord, often we say, heal me immediately. And that immediacy does happen. We see it in that moment. Immediately, what? Aeneas was healed. But he had eight years to wait. God's timing is perfect. So for you and I, maybe we might be suffering with something that we've been asking for God and we feel powerless. But don't give up on that because God has that power. The Holy Spirit has that power. Jesus has that power. And He's working all things together for good. And you never know when that moment might happen. So, Let's look at this passage of Scripture. It's going to help us a little bit with understanding why we're lacking in the area of power. It says, but understand this, and this is Paul writing to Timothy, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Think that's truth? For people will be lovers of self. Lovers of money. Proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable. Just turn on talk radio. <laughs> Unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Remember we talked about our inability to see God's grace all around us because our eyes are focused so much on the wrong thing. We are a narcissistic culture that is consumed with pleasure. And the more that happens, there's no room for God. There's no room for God. And look at what Paul's assessment is. Right? Treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness. But what? Denying its power. Denying its power. Oh, how many churches fall in line with this. May that not be said of this local body. Amen? 
by the way, when I posted that picture of myself, here was the experiment. I got 38 likes. <laughs> you know what? That was just a picture. It didn't even speak, and I got 38 likes, and my little nursery rhyme thing was even stupid. I didn't do it right, and I got 38 likes. But sometimes in church, we can't even get one amen when we say a truth about God. Let me know if that was worth it. Because I worked really hard for a week on that illustration. But denying its power. Let's look at this idea. Why are we lacking in power? Well, looking at that same idea, right? Sometimes it's lack of belief. Maybe you and I have a lack of understanding and belief that Jesus really do what He says He's going to do. Maybe we look at these stories out of Acts and we say, well, that was for that time. That's not for the church now. Maybe we say, well, we have a struggle in belief because we have asked God, we have tried, we have prayed, and nothing happens. Please understand, there was eight years here for Aeneas. There were other people in that village of Lydda that were probably suffering. There's no account of those people being healed. Paul himself, that all of the Scripture is about, we're shifting to Peter though, Paul himself carried around something that was stridently difficult for him. There was a physical malady. And he talks over and over throughout his epistles about suffering and how they're beaten down and how he almost didn't even survive. He suffered. Folks, my wife showed me this great Pinterest statement, I think it was, about expectations this week. Actually, I'm sure it was from the Bible. Oh, it was Shakespeare. And it was expectation is the disaster of the heart. No, it wasn't. I have no idea. What was it? You don't remember either. It was something like that, okay? <laughs> expectation is the disaster of the heart. And sometimes we, we operate by our own will. Here should be our only expectation in serving God. Serve in obedience. Serve lovingly. Serve with the expectation of suffering and look forward to the glorious return of Jesus Christ when we will be reunited with Him, free from sin and free from all pain and suffering. There is your expectation. So if you're having a lack of belief because your life is full of suffering, you've got the wrong expectation. Get to know Jesus and what He expects of His people now. Next, maybe we have a lack of experience. Have you ever taken on a new job and you're just like, you kind of sitting in the background because you're like, I don't really... I, I, we had one of those guys um, when we took... Uh, uh, I don't know, we were out like... We were somewhere. I don't remember where we were. But we had to stop into a, a, <laughs> a great American eating establishment called Taco Bell. <laughs> and we were blessed with having a newbie at the cash register. And I'll, I'll give you odds on how much of our food came back to us correct. But the poor guy was just learning, and you know, in our family, we got to have it our way, right? So there's got all these special orders and, you know, no sour cream, give me double sour cream. You know, even if you don't have guacamole, go out and mash some avocados with your toes. I don't care. Give me the, give me the guacamole, right? And so, you know, we heard this guy getting railed on by the other two workers because he didn't get it right. And we could tell right out of the gate. There were like four people in line, and the line wasn't moving too fast. And he's just timid. He's afraid of making a mistake. Are you there spiritually? That you have set aside the power of Jesus Christ because you're afraid of making a mistake? Don't. Don't. We'll tell you in a moment how to avoid that. How about lack of devotion? I've got this. I've got this electronic thing, and I can laser point and kill someone if I wanted to. And... You know, and, and uh, you know, I got this microphone here, and, and that lamp isn't lit yet, and, uh, you know, the screen hopefully doesn't blow up like it did last week, and we're missing some bulbs over there. You think I'm not paying attention while I'm preaching? All that's going through my head. What do I have to do? Set it aside, because it's frivolous. It's frivolous. And I have to be devoted to spending time with the Almighty. Amen. 
I have to be devoted to spending time with Him who has the power over life and death. That's got to be at least 89 likes. I love it. Devotion. This is another reason why we're lacking in power. Lack of discipline. I had a pastor tell me this past week that they had to tell an individual that they have no business being in the pastorate. It's an individual that's, that's uh, hoping to launch a, a pastorate somewhere else in the country, and um, they said, you just, I don't see the calling. I don't see it in you. Now, that pastor may have been right, he might have been wrong, I, I don't know. But I think we should have more people that say that to individuals. Not to discourage them, but to be honest, because this needs to be a calling, not a preference. So, part of the problem is, is, as this pastor talked about the preparation that happens, he was talking about how seminaries are failing these individuals. And he talked about how one of his other staff members went through not a seminary, but a Christian college and was never taught the disciplines of the Christian life. And he was a ministry major. And there's a Christian campus... <laughs> Christian college in the state of California that's not teaching the disciplines. Have you ever fasted while you're praying? Do you understand the discipline of walking in the Scriptures and being fresh every day in the presence of the Lord? Do you know what it means to walk in the Holy Spirit rather than in your own flesh? Do you understand the discipline of meditation upon God's Word? You see, when I'm disciplined, I don't fit in this suit. But I'm not too disciplined right now with my eating habits, so the suit's fitting okay. Hopefully you'll see this suit not fitting okay in a month from now. And you'll know where my discipline is. Spiritually, where is our power? If we're not disciplined in, in practicing the Christian discipline, so to speak, we cannot expect to have the power of God at our fingertips. Lack of action. If I called a prayer meeting here tonight, how many people would be here? Ouch. And now what's going to happen is we're all going to come up with our what? Our no, I'm not even going to be that brutal. You said excuses, <laughs> not my word. We're all going to come up with our reasons. And we can stand up here and we can preach about unless you're willing to deny and take up your cross and unless you're willing to let the dead bury their dead, oh, that sounds great, that's so passionate, that's involved. But I can't be at church next week because my cousin's having a, 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 a birthday party. Can we please just tell the cousin I'm going to church first and I'll be at the birthday party later? Well, I can't, I can't be with the body of Christ and, and participate and encourage the body of Christ because i, I got to be at my kid's uh, uh, sports event. we got travel ball. And we got her next week. And we got her next week. And we got her next week. You see, Peter didn't let anything become a reason for him to keep from traveling to Lydda. Had he, Aeneas would still be laying in his bed. You want to know the power of God? Stop giving reasons to interfere with what God is calling you to. Because Peter didn't. These are just some of the reasons I think we're lacking in power. Let me finish up this morning with understanding this. The church is powerful through what? Acts of love. Acts of love. Romans 12.9 says, Love must be sincere. Some of your translations say authentic. Love has to be sincere. We cannot be loving in just talk. Right? Hey, kids! We're going to Disneyland! Yay! Dad's the best! Yeah! Can I take your picture and put a poster of you up in my room? Because you're just, they're the best! And then Dad follows through with that 38 years from that date. Doesn't work. Acts of love have to be sincere. They have to be real. We can't, just, we can't just say, I love you. Because if you want that to have any power, you show it, don't you? Ladies, 
If I were to ask you what is the single greatest demonstration of love that your husband's given to you, I'm not real sure it's going to have to do with something he said versus something he did. Do we understand this yet? How about movements of the Holy Spirit? Some of us are like, I read about those. Yeah, those make great stories. Yeah, it happened a lot in Acts. But I'm not sure what that looks like for me. The church is powerful because the Holy Spirit is alive and thriving in it. And you're going to hear in a moment just one demonstration of that in this local body. The church is powerful through sacrifice and inspiration. And it's my privilege to talk about the fact that this church sacrifices. It sacrifices in time. It sacrifices to its neighbors. It, it, I hear stories all the time about you reaching out with the love of Christ. Some of you are involved in organizations that, that are out in the community and you're doing so because Christ has prompted you to do that. And so you're sacrificing your own time with your family or your own personal preferences in order to take the powerful message of God and put power and action to that message, just like Peter did. Another way that the church is powerful is that it's nourished by the Word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the Father's mouth. A lot of us are walking around anemic. We were moving my son in a couple weeks ago to his dorm room, and none of us ate that entire day. That is not, I, I put the H in hangry, okay? That is not a good thing. And then it was 105 out there, and it's now 3.30, and Big Daddy hasn't eaten anything. And I'm laying on one of the beds in that room just like, you know, and I'm just not moving. And, and my wife gloriously points out, sweetheart, you know, Dylan and I, are, we're rocking it here. Come on, let's go, let's go. And I'm all, oh, I'm taking poor trips back and forth from the car. I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm shaky. I can't. I, Daddy needs to eat. I need to be nourished. And the two of them are just kind of shaking their head. Yeah, you want to know what happened? I know you do. Half hour later, guess who gets the shakes from not eating? And who had all the sympathy in the world? Jesus. I don't have that kind of power. Okay? <laughs> Jesus had all the sympathy in the world. And then my son who was like railing on me, later that night, he's throwing up because of dehydration, right? And so, you know, good things come to those that pray. No, I didn't pray for that. The idea is that we need to be nourished by the Word of God. And when we're not, sometimes we get what? Shaky. And sometimes words are not enough. We have to know the power and the nourishment of the Word of God. 2 Peter 1, 3-4 helps us understand what God has given us. How can the church be powerful? Here it is. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His very precious and very great promises. And here it is, so that through them you may become partakers in the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of its sinful desire. That is a promise. Because of God's Word, because of God's plan, because of God's power, He has created the opportunity for you to be a divine partaker. That doesn't mean a divine observer. It means that the power of God is available to the church. He has intended it for the church. And that we need to stop denying it and just focusing on talk and put things into action like Peter did. When we do, great things will happen. When we do, people will turn to Jesus. Amen? Last week, or two weeks ago, college group went out on a Sunday night for an outreach. We gathered in Toto Santos Park. And I said, all right, guys, what are we going to do? And we kind of ran with two, three, four ideas and just started spitballing some stuff and trying to figure out, okay, God, what do you want us to do? Which I loved, right? We don't have to have, we don't always have to have this great plan. Why don't we just start praying and ask that the Lord would reveal to us what we should do? And so we tried to pursue a couple avenues. Those things didn't work. And so they came up with the idea, well, why don't we go um, find out if there's someone from our lifetime program 
that needs help. So I called up Janine, and, uh, and she had found out that a, a, I think it's a single dad. I, I only know the dad and, and his two boys in the program, and he had just lost his job that week. And so the college group said, that's it. Let's go to the grocery store and let's buy for that family what they would need for a week in groceries. And so we got to Grocery Outlet, one of the great bastions of food in our community. And I turned them loose to go shopping and I said, you guys pray for me. I'm going to walk around and I'm going to ask if the Lord wouldn't show us. And you be looking as well. If the Lord wouldn't show us someone who needs help, that the light of Christ could shine to them. And so while they're shopping for this family, and just a tremendous, tremendous thing that they did for this family, and that family was overwhelmed. Beyond just the lifetime experience of serving their kids, to provide something above and beyond that, unbeknownst to them, they came the next day, and there's six, seven bags of groceries. Absolutely overwhelmed. But as I'm walking around, the Lord, there's not that many people at Grocery Outlet at 6.30, 7 o'clock on a Sunday evening. If you want some good shopping time, go then. But there's just not that many people. And I come around a corner, and there's a, a gal that's probably 35 years of age. She's got an 8-year-old girl in tow, and she's teaching her daughter about nutrition as they're filling their basket. And you know, I had to walk that fine line between being a stalker, coming across like a stalker, and just listening and praying. It's a weird thing, you know, just be prepared. And so I just kept praying and praying and praying and, and listening, and, and I thought, I think, God, you're telling me that we should pay for their groceries, that this is who you brought us here for. And so I kind of went... A different route and then I kind of hung out by the registers which is weird too right <laughs> so they've got videotaping me all over the store saying if you see this person lock the doors and so I'm standing by the registers and and here comes this gal with her daughter and I'm just kind of acting like I'm looking at product and stuff like that and and uh, I'm just listening because I'm not convinced yet and I'm still praying all the while our college group is shopping for this family and the lady starts unloading onto the conveyor belt her groceries, and this is what she says. She puts like six or seven things up there, and she says, can you give me a running total so that I can know how much this is going to cost? Because I think we only have enough for what we need, and we probably won't be able to pay for all of this. Okay, all right, God, I hear you loud and clear. I got it, I got it. So now comes that really awkward moment where I, I, I walk up and, okay, I'm not the checker. Uh, I don't look like the checker. Maybe I am the checker, I don't know. Maybe I'm the bag boy. But I just simply turn to the family and I, I, I say to the, to the mom, I said, you know, our college group is here and we're putting together some groceries for someone and, you know, we just started praying that if there was somebody here that we could bless, um, you know, show us. And I'm just wondering, can we pay for your groceries? You wouldn't have believed her face. First of all, stalker was there, okay? <laughs> Concern, reaching, reaching for the mace in the purse, I think. But then she said, are you serious? I said, yeah. I said, no, no conditions. Just, you know, if we can pay for that, that'd be great. And, she, you know, she said the whole thing. I said, yeah, absolutely. It'd be our pleasure. We'd love to show the grace of Jesus Christ because it's been shown to us. And uh, she just stood there with a bewildered look on her face and said, well, I guess... And so I got to shake the hand of her daughter. Her daughter's name is Christine. And her daughter's looking at me just as weird. But here's what happened. You know, you, you get involved in, in a situation like that, and you see the power of Christ working, right? And what a beautiful thing to experience, because you never know what God's going to do with that. And then the next part that happens didn't come from who I thought it would come from. You see, the checkers are standing there.
And the checker turns to her friend one aisle over and says, have you ever seen this happen? Ever? And her friend says, no. She says, I've heard of people paying for someone's drink at Starbucks, but I've worked in the grocery for over 10 years. I've never seen this happen. And so the checkers are paying attention. And my, this, this gal's checker and the gal that we blessed as a church both said simultaneously, what church are you from? That's the power of the church. That, it, that cost us very little to do. Can I just let you know, starting in September, we're going to start doing outreaches after Sunday service, one Sunday a month. And we're going to go out, and we're going to go into the community, and you're going to go. You're just going to go. And I'm going to use that phone in a godly manner, and we're going to create a thread. And when something happens, and when God works and God blesses, you're going to take a picture, you're going to put in what happened, and we're going to build a thread of glorious power of Jesus Christ and see what God does through this church out in our community. That's just one thing we're going to do. What value power has and what Peter did. I don't have time to get into the details of here, but my point is, is that Peter doubles down. You see, the reputation of what Peter did in his efforts to bring uh, the power of Jesus Christ and demonstrate that not just in words, but through power, that reputation proceeded all the way to Joppa and a disciple named Tabitha or Dorcas, junior hire's favorite character in the entire Bible, <laughs> dies. And by the way, dead is dead. She's been prepared for burial. She is dead. And the people have heard about what Peter's doing and they're so inspired that even after the death of this disciple, Tabitha or Dorcas, they run to him and say, come quickly! And Peter may be a little bit exhausted. He might be a little bit tired. The Raider game might be on TV. Right? I can't really go because I've got all this going on. No, Peter immediately gets up and he goes and he gets everybody out of the room. He gets into solitude with Christ. And it says that he prays. And it says that he's able to present what? And he gave her her hand, his hand, and raised her up. Then calling the saints and windows, he presented her alive. And what was the result of that? And many more came to Christ. Because of power, not just words. We need to change in the American church. We need to be a people of the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? In closing, I want to give you, um, there's all my points if you want to write them down. Oh, no, you're too late. <laughs> you, can, uh, you can text me later and I'll give you those points. I have this little communion cup that if you go, with, shameless plug, if you go with us to Israel in late February, you'll be able to take communion um, at uh, the, 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 the garden tomb area with one of these olive cups. And years ago, seven years ago, uh, when we used to go out in the community and Stephen and I would go to Panama Red Coffee House down in Todos Santos, uh, and we would play worship songs. God created this opportunity for us to be out in the world playing worship songs. And there was a, a barista there named Dave, and I just connected with him really well. And over the years, he's still been in the community. That coffee house shut down, and and the Lord just prompted me. And, and so I grabbed up one of my four cups and I grabbed it because this guy really has a sincerity to him. And uh, I knew that coffee shop was shutting down and I may not see Dave again. And so I went, grabbed some coffee on a Friday afternoon and Dave was working. I said, hey, when you get a moment, come on over and sit down. And, and he sat down and I said, look, there's a sincerity about you. There's something very genuine about you. And, and I just feel like I, I want to encourage you to pursue who Jesus Christ is. And if you ever have any questions or if you ever have any needs, um, I'm there. And I said, and I want to give this to you as a token of that covenant. And I explained to him what this is and, and where it came from. And it, it really touched him. That was seven years ago. I'm sitting outside my favorite digs. Often I see Peter... Uh, walking by on a Friday and I'm sitting there having lunch I'm on the phone and here comes Dave down the street 
and he sees me from a mile away. And the guy puts his keys on my table, sits down, and gives me a huge hug. Seven years later, was it because of my words? It wasn't because of my words. Guys, I didn't raise anybody from the dead. I didn't even heal a paralytic. So we can look at these stories and see what Peter did. Maybe God has that for you. I don't know. But you definitely can do some things to demonstrate the love and the power of Jesus Christ along with the words of the Gospel. Amen? And we're going to give you plenty of opportunity moving forward. I'm going to go ahead and close in prayer. We were scheduled for the last song, but I took too long again. Uh, Again, if you're visiting with us, I just want to encourage you, we've gone to great lengths to provide a great lunch for you. I think we called Mountain Mike's Pizza. Um, No, I don't know what we have for lunch, but we would love, it's just a real short time of fellowship and getting to know uh, myself, ask me questions about who we are as a church. And we'll start over there at 11.45. It's 11.30 right now. If you've brought your gifts today, your offerings, uh, bless you in that. That is part of our act of worship. And you can drop those today on your way out in the box on the left. Let me go ahead and dismiss us in prayer today. I hope that you were encouraged. And I hope that you're going to seek how God can work powerfully through you and how God might work powerfully through us as a church. And again, hear me clearly. There were some things that I said that, that were pointed. But I hope what you heard as well with that is that we see this power being lived out here at Concord Bible Church. I don't know how long I could stay your pastor if I didn't see those things. I would feel like I was failing. But Jesus is here. The Holy Spirit is here working through you. Let's see where He'll take us this week. Amen? Amen. Let me close in prayer. God, we thank You so much for these histories, these acts of the apostles and the Holy Spirit. That they can inform us, they can show us how You work and what Your expectation is for the church. And how You did work. That this is reality. These were true things. And that they still take place today in different ways, in different forms, and in some, some ways, in exactly the same form. And so, Father, as we come before You, I, I pray that we examine our own hearts and ask where is it that we're failing in experiencing the power of Jesus Christ in our life. And that we don't just have a conversation with ourselves, God, but that Your Spirit prompts us to do what Peter did. Take action. Get up. Move out. And let Your Son work through us that we might fulfill that great commission. Father, take the, the, the gifts and the offerings this morning. Use them for Your glory. Use them for the benefit of the kingdom. And let us walk away today with the full expectation that the kingdom we participate in, Your kingdom, is founded in power, not talk. To You be all glory, Father. Amen.